like to start by telling two stories. The first one is about Nati. I worked with Nati many years ago. Nati was older than the rest of us. He was always early, there before we actually needed to be, you know. And he always stayed as long as was asked of him, and then even a little bit longer. If someone became sick or there was an emergency, Nati would cover for you. We all knew that. And Nati would treat each person in a way that made you feel he was genuinely happy to be attending to you. After a while, staff wanted to be in his team. Managers wanted him working for them. Do you know what he did for a living? He was a waiter, working far too many double shifts, but content and filled with gratitude. The second story is of Anna. Life had been mildly unfair to Anna and she felt she deserved better. Everything around her seemed second class and mediocre. Even her friends and family were not what she had in mind. She was successful, talented, ambitious. She had a way with people and she could make you feel like you were the most important person in the room. But no contract, opportunity or big check was enough. Anna always wanted more. Two stories of life. In both we find an invitation Perhaps an invitation to a deeper experience of life with God that can lead to gratitude and contentment rather than an unquenched thirst for something that never satisfies. And I don't know with whom you relate more, but this is an invitation that comes to each one of us as a mother, as a father, as a lawyer or teacher or waiter. No matter what your work responsibilities are or what your personality is, the good news is that a deeper life with God is available to you. With this as our background, we read Ephesians 6 together. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you will know that the Lord will reward each one of you, whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. In Ephesians, we see that Paul helps the church figure out what they believe, and then he, he, he gives them a theology, which means a way of life. And this way of life is one that isn't split into a hundred little compartments, of which one or two are of re relevance to God. This is a way of life that leads to wholeness and integration. The new Christians get invited to live a meaningful life that isn't dependent on their circumstances, but that is built on what happens inside of them as they enter into this way of life with God. Ephesians is so rich in guidelines and truth for this life that we could form a series just of today's scripture. And I'm tempted to include verses from chapter 5 as well that have really meant so much to me in the last couple of weeks. 
But today, let's just look at two of the many dimensions in our daily living as touched on in these verses. But please, take your time to prayerfully read the rest as well. Dallas Willard helps us recognize something of the vastness of our life. He invites us to consider the different dimensions of our life. Our job, what we do to make a living, our ministry, there where our personality, passion and gifts align to do something particular for God's kingdom, our work, which includes the roles we play, and our life, doing the things we love, our hobbies and leaving a legacy. God is not found in one of these dimensions, but in all. And the two dimensions that we consider now, Jesus and my family, the roles we play, and Jesus and my job. And this will help us consider how we do life together as members of his household. So firstly, Jesus and my family. Paul has just spoken to husbands and wives, and now he moves on to parents and children. He's systematically talking about the various roles that we play in our lives. And in this dimension of life, we often find ourselves either taking on too many roles or neglecting the roles that we are meant to play. In verse 1, he starts with the role we play as children. Now, as you're growing up, your parents are the main guides as to what is good and right and wrong and healthy and safe. So listen to them so you can firstly survive but also learn how to be a healthy, reasonable, good, and hopefully mature person. You need their instruction. You need their experience. You need their warning and advice. So obey. But this role changes as you get older. Honor your mother and father, and it will go well with you. It will be good for you if you respect your parents and give credit for whatever they did do right. If you forgive them for what they did wrong or what they neglected to do. If you take care of them despite their flaws and faults. It will be good for you because it leads to becoming whole rather than living with the resentment or bitterness of unresolved issues and childhood wounds. This is sometimes the hardest thing we can do. We may be so adamant to prove our parents wrong, or on the other hand, so desperate to earn their approval that we are prisoners of the narrative that we believe that requires. Our resentment towards them or dependency on them controls us. It consumes us. And we live fragmented, wounded lives. But it doesn't have to be this way. Paul invites us to let Jesus into this dimension of life and to do it differently. And then he turns it around and speaks to parents. Another role we play. He says, parents, don't exasperate your kids. Tim Keller uses the phrase, don't make them perpetually angry. And if we don't want to do this, maybe it's worthwhile asking what could potentially make kids, young or old, perpetually angry. Is it possible that our job demands so much of us that this role is neglected? Or that there is so much pressure to be successful and to perform and to achieve that we can't responsibly and lovingly fulfill this role as God is calling us to do? We may find ourselves either being harsh and unfair or just not having capacity for boundaries or discipline. 
finding a balance in fulfilling these roles in a godly manner looks different in each family. But Paul says, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. This is an important role. This is a calling and purpose. Raising them to pursue the God calling them. God urging them. Help them grow emotionally and spiritually. Train them in the practices that help them see and feel and experience God in everyday things. Instruct them so they can discern what is good and wise. Give them internal resources and capacity to form connections as Jesus showed us. To have conversations that bring life and to make choices that open to a life of signs and wonders. Glimpses of the world Jesus has in mind coming into being now. God is deeply invested in the roles we play, eager to engage and lead us in wisdom and love to to fulfill these roles as he invites us to. He is in my family, in how I interact with the people in my life. Every time I wonder how I do life in terms of family and relationships, I can find him leading me, instructing me, mentoring me. And now Paul merges another compartment of our life that we often keep separate from our spirituality. Jesus and my job. Verses 5 to 9 talks to us about our jobs. Slavery here was nothing like what we see in the movies or more recent history. It's also not the slavery we see after wars are lost and kingdoms taken over. Although perhaps sometimes a complex concept, being a slave here was a form of job security and providing for your family. So if Paul preached this scripture to us today, he might have referred to bosses and employees. In other words, principles of work, Jesus in my job and my work environment. And what's really wonderful is that our jobs, what we do for a living, is important to God. And he invites us to do it with him in a way that doesn't consume us, but that leads us to living out our calling where we are. Paul is saying here, see the bigger picture and recognize your actual master and trust that he knows how to utilize your contribution. He will reward you for whatever good you do. He will give you purpose and he will give you meaning. He will use what you do to facilitate what he wants to do. A corporate coach giving training on proper budgeting or sensible time management is working for God. And God is deeply invested in how his gifts and talents are inspiring others while watching and enjoying how sharing his skills and expertise gives him life. A teacher who doesn't give up on the problem child who never does his homework is doing God's work as she loves that child into believing he can achieve something. And God smiles because she's using her talents and gifts and doing what she is passionate about. A CEO of a company who listens to his employees and makes them feel heard and appreciated is doing God's work as he puts his leadership skills to practice and develops his team to do something great for the company. And God looks proudly at his child, doing what he was made to do. A data collector delivering vast amounts of data packaged in a way that can be understood and utilized 
is doing God's work because God always knew she could deal with numbers in a way that make projection and planning possible. It's difficult sometimes when you can't see how your contribution makes a difference. At one stage, I was working for an insurance company who needed me to follow up on clients and they didn't want to talk to me about their personal information. And I tell you, at that stage, I did not feel like I was doing the work of the Lord. It's not always easy. But growing in relationship with Jesus helps us look at all dimensions of life, also our jobs, through his eyes. Now you may say to me, but Tareen, I work in a toxic environment, or I'm utterly bored and going out of my mind, or the system keeps taking me down. I'm not saying stay beyond reason or don't find something you enjoy, but wherever you are, you are doing God's work. You are working for him. So respect your boss and do a good day's work, even if he doesn't deserve it. But look beyond him and beyond the system or structure within which you work. Don't become addicted to his approval and don't live in fear of him. It's not about him or her. Your actual master is good and has your best interest at heart. Serve him wholeheartedly by treating the people that you work with or that you work for as co-workers in God's world, as God's employees. Go the extra mile, engage wholeheartedly, respect them, serve them wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord. Not people, because our jobs are not add-ons or separate, but one of the dimensions in which we can live out our calling and purpose as the persons God has put us together to be. We have the ultimate example. Jesus humbled himself and emptied himself to the form of a man, serving, even washing feet, working with his father Joseph, contributing to God's world with the work he was doing. He engaged wholeheartedly in everything he did, not aiming to please people, but honoring his father. His whole life was spiritual. His connectedness with his father showed in all the dimensions of his life. Perhaps we could sum up today's entire sermon by saying that Jesus isn't in a piece of me, but in all of my life. He gently nudges us to expand our awareness of his love into every corner of my life. We notice how he loves us through our relationships, our roles, our work, our jobs, our experiences and all aspects of being human. As we live life in every dimension in such a way that pleases and honors him, this becomes our response of love. In return, we find ourselves being more ourselves, functioning in our gifts and being drawn to pursue those desire within us that bring us closer to him. Will you thus do this exercise with me now? You're welcome to close your eyes or just sit quietly as we pray this prayer of reflection. First, ask the Holy Spirit to look back with you at your week with his eyes. Holy Spirit, please shed light on our lives in such a way that we can notice what you want us to see. Just a simple prayer. And then thank Jesus for your life. 
the roles that you get to play and the work that you get to do. Thank him for what he's given you, for the richness and the vastness of your life. As we continue, think about where in your week you felt energized and where you may have felt de-energized. And notice how God was present in your life, both in the good moments and in the more difficult ones. God often comes to us disguised as our lives. What are these experiences of desolation and consolation saying to you? And you may want to just take a couple of moments to sit with this, to journey with God, to ask again the Holy Spirit. And when you're ready, think about what gifts you need from God to live in such a way that your actions and words in all dimensions of life please him and then ask for those gifts now. And you may want to spend some time later in your day, maybe continuing this prayer and then making a couple of notes on what this experience was like for you. So may your awareness of him in all your life keep growing. May you notice God loving you through your life. May you find him in all things and respond to him, surrendering each day anew to this way of life he offers. Receive the blessing of the Lord. The love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is with you always in all dimensions of your life. Amen.